The New Testament reading today is, to, is Galatians chapter 5, verses, verses 22 to 26, and, and be found on the Church Bibles on page 1172. Galatians 5:22 to 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. And the second New Testament reading is taken from Romans 6, verses 1 to 14, and can be found on pages 1132 and 3.3. What shall we say, then? Shall we go on sinning, so that grace may, be, may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into, into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. This is the word of the Lord. Will you join with me in uh, prayer this morning?
Jesus, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for the gift of your spirit. And we pray that as these two things are united this morning, may we become more united with you. God, will you give us a a bigger picture of yourself this morning? Would you give us a greater hunger and thirst after your presence? May we be seekers of your presence more than ever before as individuals and as a church and as a benefice. Amen. When you look through scripture, you see that God's desire has always been for his people to be set apart. And and the ways in which he desires them to be set apart are by knowing whose they are, as in knowing that they're his, that he is their God, their only God, the only one they worship, and also by how that makes a difference to their lives. When you see that in the Old Testament, the, the people of Israel were, were known as the people of the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. They, they were defined by the God they worshipped in. They weren't defined by the people that they were. They weren't defined by what they did. They weren't defined by where they were from. They weren't defined, although they were called Israelites, but they were defined when people described them, when people talked about the people of Israel. They said, these are the people of the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. They were set apart. They pointed to something greater than themselves. And, and the way that played itself out in the Old Testament was with the, the, the different kind of lifestyle that God set for them that was so contrary to what the rest of the real world was doing that people couldn't help but notice there was a difference. It was also seen in their faith, in the faith of uh, the whole group, but also in the faith of individuals. When you think of the lion's den, when you think of the fiery furnace, when you think of these amazing things that some of these Israelites achieved and what happened people worshipped God because of the God they worshipped. They saw that the God that they worshipped was real, that he existed, that he was genuine. I heard earlier this week that the question that people ask today has changed from, is this true, which is what most young people used to ask in the 60s and 70s and 80s, is this true? The question they're now asking is, does it work? Does this work? Does this faith thing work? And God's desire is still, even post-Jesus, God's desire is still for his people to be set apart and to be defined by the God that they worship. Not by what they do, not by how much they serve, not by how many rotors they're on, not by uh, how much they give, not by all those things, but to be defined by the fact that we are children of God and that makes a difference to our lives. There is no greater privilege in this world for me as a minister, uh, as, as someone who's been called to this ministry, there is nothing more privileged than seeing Jesus transform a life. Nothing. It's amazing when you see genuine transformation happen in someone's life when they encounter the risen Jesus because he does transform lives. He's not just some nice add-on to life. He's not just some nice idea. He's not just some nice ideal or something that we just do on a Sunday. He changes lives because that's what he came to do. He's a life transformer. 
and, and, and what happens with us as Christians is that Paul says that we, we die to our old way of life. That when we say yes to Jesus, when we accept what he's done for us on the cross, when we choose repentance, which is turning from that old way of life and turning to Jesus, we are radically and totally changed in that moment. We go from being uh, sinners who are occasionally saintly to saints who occasionally sin. Our identity changes. On the cross. We're clothed of righteousness. We've talked about this a lot. Uh, if you're going to the 220 course, you'll be talking about it a lot. Our identity has changed. And still, God's desire is for people to look at us and to see Jesus. We are called to be a light to the world. When Jesus said that to the disciples, you are a light to the world, their response probably would have been, what, us? Really, us? You want us to be a light to the world? But that's God's desire. God's desire is for his people to shine Jesus to the world in, in, in how we live. And we'll mess up. We'll get it wrong. We'll make mistakes. We all fail from time to time, actually. We all fail most of the time. But we're still able to reflect God in our lives. We're still able to show that Jesus is real. We're still able to show that this stuff works. That this faith in Jesus works. And the fruits of the Spirit are a perfect example of this. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but, but when I read this list, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I know that by and large I fall short of most of these things most of the time. Someone once said to me, you should pray through this list and stop when you get to one you need God's help more with. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. I can do that. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Yeah, all right. The fruit of the, the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Great. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. Oh, okay. But actually, that's if we look at it from a sort of human striving point of view, which we far too commonly do. That we'll look at this list of fruits of the Spirit and think, oh, I really want to be more like that. I really want to be more loving. I really want to be more joyful. I want to be kinder. I want to be more generous. I want to be, I want to be good. I want to be, I want to be all of these things. I want to be more gentle. And I'm sure everybody here would love an extra dose of self-control. Yeah, I, mean, I know there are some people in life who, who love to be the victim, who love to grumble. There are some people who always seem to be just looking for a fight, even though there isn't a fight to be found. Uh, but actually, I think at the core of who we are, we all want to be more like this list, don't we? We all want to be more loving, more kind, more gracious, all of these things. And these things are in the very nature of the God we worship. This describes who our God is. He is the God who is defined as love itself. He exudes joy. He is the Prince of Peace. He is perfectly just and righteous. He is generous beyond words. And he is all of these things. He's always kind, always good. And, and his desire is that we take on this nature, this character, this, this part of Christ. This is what it is in a way to be in Christ, that we take on his caricature, that we take on his character on us, that we become more like him. Imagine, if you will, a child adopted into a family. Now, anybody who's ever known uh, a family who've either fostered or adopted, they will tell you that the first few weeks and months are the hardest ones. 
Because that child comes with everything that they've had before. And that may be, for some of them, it may be no authority at all, no boundaries. For others, it may have been too much authority and too many boundaries. For some, it may be abuse, hurt, brokenness. They will come with all kinds of things. And this new family adopts that child into their family. And they're not going to just overnight suddenly become like that family, that child. They've got everything that they've come with, all the brokenness, all the hurt, everything from before. They've come with the identity of wherever they've been before into this new family. And the new family have a desire that the child is welcomed into that family, that sees themselves as part of their family. They want they, Their ultimate desire in the end is that the, the child will, will be part of that family and see themselves as part of that family. Now that doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen just by the parents telling the child what to do and telling them how to live and expecting the child to live that way. It happens by that child spending time with the family. (coughs) By spending time with the parents, quality time with the family, that child will begin over time to begin to see how that family operates in love, how it shows forgiveness, how it shows grace, how they do family meals together, how they do grace together, how they do all of these things as a family. And the child over time, by spending time with the family, will begin to take on the likeness of that family will begin to become a little bit more like their new forever home. And that's what it is with us. We were sinners. We were defined by our sin. Our life was broken in a heap of mess because of the fall. But through the cross we have been adopted into the family of God. We are children of the Heavenly Father, the perfect Abba Heavenly Father. And his desire is that we understand how his family operates and that we take on that family name, that we take on that family identity, that we we show his character to the world. And most parents will be able to tell you that behaviours are not taught, they're caught. Behaviours are caught by children, by what they see in their parents, by what they see their parents do, by how they see their parents and other peers around them act. They catch behaviour, they don't get taught behaviour. Yes, we teach and we guide and we direct, don't get me wrong, and we do have discipline and all those things, but, but it's by what we model to them. And the same is true of God, is that God has shown us in Jesus what his family attributes are. What it is that we've been adopted into, how amazing this kingdom is, that we become heirs of this kingdom. And by being heirs of his kingdom, we become part of his family. And his desire is that these things, these fruits of the Spirit, just to list a few things, also with the gifts and other things that we see, that when we walk in the Spirit, these things become natural symptoms of spending time with our Father. As we begin to know him better and understand him more, I want to try, um, try a bit of a holy experiment this morning. I like holy experiments. They're always quite fun. Um, and we did this at St. Mark's this morning, and, and, and actually God showed up in a powerful way. And, and I, I've been praying with God the same prayer that I pray with an Alpha Holy Spirit day, which is, God, if you don't show up in these next few minutes, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> so I'm relying on you, God, to show up. Okay. Can I encourage you all just to close your eyes for a minute? Mainly so we're not distracted by the people around us. And I know that closing our eyes is awkward for some people and we don't like doing it. And 
But just for this moment, I just want you to picture yourself coming into the presence of God. However you view God, everybody has a different picture of God, and that's, that's fine, that's good. You may uh, picture God on his throne, you may imagine that picture of Isaiah um, with the corner of his robe filling the temple, that sense of holiness and, and majesty. You may find it easier to picture Jesus, perhaps uh, sat on the beach with his disciples, or uh, on the cross, or, or the resurrected Jesus appearing to his disciples, or... You may want to picture him teaching or whatever it may be. However you view God, just imagine yourself coming into the presence of God for a moment. And as you come, you come as you are. You come with your hurts and your hopes, your fears, your joy, your sorrows your anxieties, your concerns, your hurt, your pain, even your sinfulness, your brokenness. And you don't have to have that all sorted in order to be able to come into his presence. You can come as you are and with him begin to work on some of these things. But the key thing is here, as you come into his presence, just be aware of who he is of the privilege of the fact that because of Jesus and the curtain of the temple being torn in two violently at his death on the cross we can come into his presence freely openly as we are and as you're in his presence just just imagine or picture his gaze fixing on you And know that he, he looks at you with an unbreakable love. With an incomparable love. With an effably sublime love. You are his beloved. You are his child. You are his precious one. You are who he died for. If you were the only person in the world, he still would have done that. And as you just rest in his presence, just ask yourself the question, is there anywhere else I'd rather be right now than here? Can I think of anywhere else more important? Can I think of anywhere else more exciting? Can I think of anywhere else more safe? anywhere else I'd rather be than right here, right now, in the presence of God. Because if there's somewhere else we would rather be, then the fruits of the Spirit will never grow in us. Because this is where they're found. This is where they're honed. This is where they're developed. This is where they're watered and nurtured and grown in the very presence of his spirit. They're not fruits of human striving. They are fruits of the spirit. And so in our lives, 
we need to be intentional about coming into the presence of God as much as we possibly can. Now God is always with us and God is always around us. His presence is always here. But like that adopted child, there are some things that we pick up just by being in the house. But most of what we pick up will be when we spend intentional time with the Father. When we spend time at the table together. And that may be just every day doing a little bit of what we're just doing now. Or it may be reading his word every day. Praying with others. Maybe finding a quiet place. Going for a walk with God. But if you desire the fruits, and I mean for the right reasons, because we all desire the fruits, but it's about why do we desire the fruits. Some of us desire the fruits because we want people to like us. That's not a right motive. (laughs) Some people desire the fruits because we want to be better versions of ourselves. That's an okay motive. But if we want the fruits because we want to become more like Christ, then that's the right motive. And if we intentionally come into his presence they will become natural symptoms in our lives we won't become perfect we'll be better versions of ourselves we'll still make mistakes we'll still be impatient we'll still grumble sometimes but the more we spend in the presence of God the more these will become natural symptoms of that time Because you can't earn these. You can't strive for them. You can practice them, yes. But they are gifts of the Spirit, found by walking in the Spirit. The verses before, as Paul is introducing this theme, he says, live by the Spirit. I say, do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit. What the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. And he lists those things that we naturally would have fallen into before. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And what he means by that last sentence is you, you can never have too much of this. <laughs> and you don't desire the fruits because people tell you you should. But the fruits are a symptom of being in the presence of God. And that's not to make us feel guilty. But the phrase that I had as I um, was preparing this morning was the phrase hunger and, and Barbara mentioned thirst earlier as well that actually where the, where the streams of living water flow that is the spirit we won't be thirsty Jesus is the, the living water and he's the bread of life but I think God is calling us into a ch- as a church into a time where we become seekers after his presence more than ever before. And these things, this love, joy, peace, patience, will become natural symptoms of that. 
And so may we draw ourselves more into the presence of God. For the sake of being in his presence. Not for the sake of getting the fruits, but for the sake of being in his presence. And as we do so, may we see more of this in our life. That the world may know that yes, it's true. And yes, it works. And that our God reigns over all and loves us all and desires relationship with us all. Has chosen us all, has adopted us all into his family.